You're listening to Men of Abundance, Episode 72, with Bobby Albert. Uh, the seeds, you know, the abundance mindset, you know, they think they're, they've got plenty of seeds that are still coming. And by the way, after the fall ha- harvest, we're going to have some more seeds. So you reap what you sow. But the scarcity mindset, uh, they think uh, there's not enough seeds and they better hold back. Welcome to Men of Abundance, the podcast for those looking to level up their lives by hanging out with some of the greatest leaders and established professionals in our community, living a life of integrity, honor, and the abundance mentality. Prepare to pay it forward with your host, former army medic turned lifestyle entrepreneur, Wally Carmichael. Aloha, men of abundance. What is going on? As promised, I am getting back on track. I'm going to get you two more episodes out this week. And today we are talking to yet another amazing man who has done amazing things from humble beginnings. I'll get into that in just a minute, but I want to give you a chance to be abundant in your day today. And the simplest way to do that, in my mind anyway, is to share men of abundance with everybody that you know. You can hit the share button. If you're listening to this on the computer, you can scroll down and click on leave a rating and review, subscribe on iTunes, subscribe on Android, or just share this episode. And on top of that, this just in, now you can share an episode directly from your iPhone. You've kind of been able to do that before, but there's a recent iOS update that allows you to share directly to messages. All you have to do to do that is when you're on the episode, you can look at your phone right now, and to the right of the episode, there's three little dots. It's a tilde. Click on that, a drop down menu comes up, click on save episode or you can share the episode and you can choose where to share it to in a message, in mail, save it in a note, share it on Twitter, share it on Facebook, Clamor, Skype, LinkedIn, these are just a few things that are on my phone to just give you an idea. But you can do all of that, you can copy the link and you can share it wherever you want to share it. And I'm telling you guys, if you do that for us, more men will be able to find us. We're already being listened to in 38 countries around the world and more people are contacting me saying they love this show, telling me how it's changed their lives. And some of these guys I reach out to, well, I reach out to all of them, but I try to find out how they found us. And most of them are doing searches in some sort of a browser, either Google or something like that. That's a good news story because they're searching various terms and they're finding men of abundance. That is amazing. We are getting recognized in the search engines and I can't tell you how much that excites me. It's just truly amazing. So be abundant in your day today by leaving a rating and review and sharing this podcast with as many people as you can. Now our featured guest today led a small local family business to a nationally recognized leader in its industry. He explains how it all happened in his book, Principled Profit. Outward success is an inside job. What a cool title. He also points out in the book specific principles that in practice can supercharge any enterprise. The book isn't out just yet. It's going to be releasing very soon. But Bobby's here today to explain how he went from a humble start to good to great in his business. And how any leader can leverage the same principles and practices in his or her own organization. Men of Abundance, it is my honor to introduce you to Bobby Albert. Bobby, welcome to Men of Abundance. How are you doing today? Oh, I'm doing great. Thank you very much for asking. Oh, my pleasure. So, where are you at in the world? Well, where I'm located at? Yeah. Ah, Wichita Falls, Texas. It's about a two-hour drive northwest of uh, Dallas. Have not been to Wichita Falls. I've been all over Texas, though. I've got quite a bit of time down in Texas. I've lived in San Antonio, uh, El Paso, Colleen. Yeah, and that's about it. Um, I wouldn't go back to Colleen anytime soon. <laughs> I like to El Paso not, more than I did Colleen. Yeah, there's not too many people that choose to go there. You know, there are some, though. There are some that just love Colleen. And when they retire, I'm active duty. I was, you know, retired from active duty two years ago this month, or February, as a matter of fact. I say this month because it's so close. But um, some of my peers, man, they just, they love Colleen. And I'm like, why? What the? You know, some of them grew up there. I get it. But... Lord, there's just nothing there. I mean, there's nothing in El Paso, but it's it's El Paso. It's not Colleen. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. But I do like Texas. Yeah, well, thank you. 
So anyway, you know, uh, I like to start out the show basically the same way I start every single morning. And I just love starting the morning with gratitude. So what do you have to be grateful for today? Well, that's a that's a wow question. And I'm, I'm grateful that uh, like being on this podcast uh, and to have the opportunity to make a difference and make a difference in people, for people and through people. Man, I love that. And you definitely are making a difference, which is exactly why uh, you were suggested to me uh, to come on the show. And I wholeheartedly agreed once I saw your bio and what you've been up to. And we're definitely going to get into that. And before I started the show here, I talked a little bit about you, real brief stuff. But I would like to hear from you. So let's get a little bit personal. Who is Bobby Albert? Well, I was born and raised here in Wichita Falls. uh, And... My father started a, a business here in 1938. It was a furniture, upholstery, and refinishing business. And in the late 50s, uh, back then they didn't have you know very many retail stores, and so we would redo uh, people's complete home. And then they started asking us uh, if we mind moving them. So we found ourselves in the moving business. And as I was growing up as a little boy. Uh, I I was always hanging out with my dad, and my dad and I had a great relationship, and I'm just uh, very thankful for that. And uh, and I, because I hung out with my dad, I knew who the bankers were, the insurance people handled the insurance, the people that re- did the truck repair, even the people that back then they had full service at the gas station, the people that put the fuel in the uh, in the trucks and all those kind of things. And I thought when I was a little kid, uh, they finally gave me a job at the warehouse. Uh, and I thought I went to heaven and what it was, they used to call me the automatic pad folder. And what it was is those moving van blankets or moving van pads. Um, uh, they gave me the job of folding them. Now I'm embarrassed to tell you, but back then, uh, they, they never cleaned them. And they were just filthy dirty. I didn't know it because I was so happy to have a job. Uh, I'd be just filthy dirty myself after folding those pads. And nobody wanted to do it. So that was uh, a great experience. I remember my first job uh, that my dad let me go out on. I was in junior high school. Some places they call it middle school. And I know before I went out there, my father told me, Bobby, I don't want you to act like the boss's son. And I don't know a kid in, you know, in junior high school, I don't know how I understood it, but I knew exactly what he meant. And so when I went out there, uh, I would take one break to their two breaks and I would, uh, you know, run between the house and the truck and the truck and the house and Uh, I would do all the jobs that people, other people didn't want to do. I didn't realize how important that was going to play. If I can share with you a little bit more here in just a moment. Uh, And, uh, and so I also went to the university here and uh, was very involved in the school and things of that nature, but also I continued through high school and while I was in college, continued working on the trucks uh, during the summer, and when I was in college on Saturday, I would also go in and take care of the paperwork for my dad and some bookkeeping. So, but the the real shocker came uh, was in 1973, uh, I just graduated from college. I was fortunate to finish college in three years at the age of 20, and my father died of a heart attack. Mm. And uh, what I back then we only had five employees, and the, what I didn't know is that it's a lot of money today. But in 1973, we were seventy thousand dollars in debt, and our gross revenue was uh, less than ninety thousand. And uh, I, I, I remember uh, talking with the bankers because two of them, two of the three wanted to uh, shut us down and just recover everything. Uh, but one of them said, no, let's give him a chance. And I'm thankful for they, they 
chose to do that. But one of the things I had to do is go back to those five employees and ask them to take a pay cut. Now, you know, a 20-year-old kid asking people that were older than myself uh, that to ask them to do something that people I had worked next to all, you know, over the several years. But what was amazing to me is 100% of them accepted it. Uh, I think they did it because out of uh, respect for my dad and they also, because of me working next to them, they knew me well and they knew um, I was, they could trust me. And I think those were a couple important factors in my early part of my life. And of course, you know, as time went, um, and by the way, my wife uh, used, to, she still reminds me that I used to give her uh, $20 to buy groceries uh, for a week uh, back then. But that led to our company reaching to a point that in 2011, uh, a strategic buyer wanted, a public traded company wanted to buy our company. We had over 150 employees, and um, they were very generous in purchasing my company. Wow, that's pretty impressive. How did, how did they reach out to you? How did that happen? Well, we had uh, worked with this company, uh, partnered on some service offerings. Uh, by that time, it would have been, oh, you know, about, uh, about 12, 13 years. So we knew each other well. We had like values, and, uh, and we got along well. And uh, I was already setting the stage uh, to take our company to another level. And at that time, uh, to go to that next level, we, uh, I, was, I, I couldn't finance it on my own. And I was, uh, emotionally, I was already at the point that I, I was going to have to give up ownership or part of the ownership of the company. And so I was visiting with capital funds uh, in Dallas, Texas, I was also interviewing people, very highly qualified people, to serve as board of directors. And uh, so that was already been going on before out of the blue came uh, this phone call that asked if we would be interested in selling the company. Uh, it was a long process and complicated, and um, uh, but it turned out well. So other than what you learned from hanging around with your dad so much, and uh, learning, you know, basically the business sense and the people that he was talking to and the conversations and everything. What did you go on to study in college? Well, uh, my degree was in political science and my minor was in accounting. Uh, originally, I was planning on going to law school, but that, of course, all changed. And why, why did that change? Well, because of the death of my dad. And then you just felt obligated, really, to kind of come back and manage the business? Yes. That's pretty, you know, <laughs> it seems kind of familiar, you know, this story. Um, in so many ways, there's so many stories like this. But to actually have a conversation about it and, and just imagine the reality of it, of, you know, you have your goals and desires and dreams and what you want to do with your life on a professional basis, uh, but then to kind of have it derailed and ultimately end up in a, I don't know, it seems like a better place ultimately. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I have uh, people, you know, ask me often and I, I, I don't have any regrets to what's happened in my life. Yeah, that's interesting because <laughs> I, I don't know. I just so many guys, they get so caught up in, you know, what they want to do and where they want to go. And I tell guys all the time, I'm like, look, you know, you have your plan and that's ultimately what you want to do. But understand there are things that are going to get in the way and are going to derail you a little bit. And then you have to make a, that, that hard decision. But ultimately, my thing where I'm at in my life now is as long as you're enjoying what you're doing and having fun with it, I think that's really the most important thing. And while it doesn't sound like everything that was going on in the business was fun and exactly what you had planned, but that goes along with it. Now, it goes along with the learning process of, you know, living the life of abundance that you want to live, that you choose to live. Yeah, that's exactly right. And uh, it, it's, I, well, I, 
I, I'm just, I don't have any regrets. Now, have I made mistakes? Yes. Uh, have I been disappointed? Yes. Uh, uh, have I learned from my mistakes and overcome those disappointed and move forward? Yes. Uh, I still kept moving forward uh, with that. And whenever those mistakes happen or, uh, you know, some things, hard lessons, um, it, it's kind of interesting uh, because we're talking about, you know, this abundance uh, mindset. Uh, I, the chief operating officer of our company, uh, uh, the COO, uh, he, he was uh, a person of great, he had tremendous, he was a tremendous encourager. And he was, people were just really attracted to him. And um, I, I, at times he would come into my office and here's the guy, the the big encourager. Sometimes he would he, he would come in my office and look like a whoop puppy dog, you know, with his tail behind him and his head down. And uh, and um, uh, but when he would share the bad news, he never he would always comment, Bobby. I'm surprised. Now this is part of previous employment when he brought bad news to the president of the company. They would blow up. But I never did blow up. I, my first thought is, okay, I can't control what what's just happened. So what's our next option? And and that's where we end up going on uh, from there. Right, and that's a great place to be. And and I just think it's you know shows the the abundance in you and and making the decision to have that attitude at that point in time, which can be very challenging to say the least. And talking about, you know, those challenging learning experiences, I'm sure building a business of that magnitude and just men in general who are progressing in life have multiple, definitely one, but most likely multiple kick in the gut moments. I'd like for you to share one of those moments with us because you're just talking about some of the learning experiences. And I know you learned from that kick in the gut moment. Yeah. Do we really have to talk about that? <laughs> well, you know, I, I get that question often, and this yeah, is what I like yeah. to say. Yeah. You know, a learning process, we always say, you know, we learn more through our failures. And yeah. we don't like to relive those things. But in this case, I would like for you to relive that <laughs> selfish, yeah. selfishly because I want to share that with men of abundance and show them how bad it can get and then what you can do with that experience. Yes, uh, uh the biggest thing, biggest failure, deepest failure I ever experienced in our business is in 1993, I uh, formed a company called Container Concepts. Uh, I had invested uh, $4 million in, in that company. And, uh, you know, we did what you're supposed to do, uh, did the marketing 101, we knew what attracted buyers, uh, consumers, and even corporate accounts. Uh, it was dealing, you know, in the, it was a, a unique moving service that had not been offered the way we were offering it before. Now, this is before the Internet. So uh, uh, we had to go out to other moving companies across the country and say, would this be attractive for you? Because you, you're the one has got the salespeople. You're the one talking to the consumers and the corporate accounts. Uh, would you be interested in selling this? And they would said absolutely they would. So we took those uh, comments and went back and built a system uh, that was pretty, uh, you know, it's even to, in today's standards, some of the things we developed, particularly in the moving uh, industry, has not even been um, accepted yet. But we did things like uh, our our computer system that we developed, uh, we were developing something like a, uh, like a logistics uh, program that before the word logistics was even very popular as it is today, we had uh, our pricing uh, in, in the industry, and some of this still exists, these huge multi-page manuals, over 200 pages uh, of just the pricing to a customer. Uh, we got it down to the top 100 markets uh, in, on one single page. And we also developed some sales uh, uh, opportunities uh, to offer services to a customer that didn't exist in the marketplace. 
uh, documents, simple implementation. Uh, we had operating manuals that the industry hadn't even seen anything like it before. Uh, but uh, we did all of this, and it didn't take off. And I had to go through two layoffs, and eventually there was a total of uh, 60 employees I had to lay off. And that was uh, – it, it was the kick in the gut – uh, that uh, I'd say I never do that again, and uh, the lessons I learned from that is is you know today we learn we hear a lot about change management. Back then, I didn't quite understand the difficulty of people changing from where they are, their where they're comfortable, and the way they do business, and the whole mindset. Uh, that was a very uh, that was a lesson learned there. Uh, the other is that when we, on the first part, when we first started out, we didn't cost out the service offering uh, uh, correctly. Uh, we did correct it, but uh, in the early goings, we didn't uh, cost it out correctly. Uh, the other thing was uh, we went nationwide right off the bat. What we should have done has been more leaner in our offering, and that was to test the moving service like from Dallas, Texas to Chicago or and from Chicago back to Dallas, Texas. Uh, we should have limited it limited uh, and performed things somewhat in a manual way before we developed all of these systems. So those are some of the lessons I learned from that that were uh, very tough. Yeah, that's got to be tough. And one of the things that I get from that, and, and please correct me if I'm not getting that properly, is that um, <clears throat> one of the things you want to do when you're starting any sort of a business venture similar to that or any sort of, sort of similar uh, business venture is when you went out and asked, you know, if anybody would be interested in purchasing this. But the trick is, and it's easier today with the Internet and the way things are going, uh, the way business is conducted, to get the money up front. To, you got Kickstarter these days. you got so many other ways to really get the money up front so that you because even though somebody will say yeah that'd be interesting i would really like to have a hold of something like that or i would invest in that or i would buy that you need the money up front before you go out and spend the you know tens of thousands to millions of dollars um developing that and i'm getting that right yes yes that's exactly right yeah and that makes you know that just puts skin in the game on their part but it also shows you proof of concept and that somebody is actually willing to spend money on whatever it is that you're doing so you've got a is your book out already uh no but it will be uh uh, fairly soon and it's called principal uh profits and a lot of people were more attracted to the subtitle and the subtitle is uh outward success is an inside job i love it i loved it when i saw that i was like that that's Excellent. How'd you come up with that? I mean, it's well, obvious with, when you got get into the book. Yes. Uh, well, yeah, it goes into the book, but uh, it really has to do with a blog that, or several blogs I was writing that's actually related to book number two. I've got about 80% of book number two, but uh, for years and years, people have asked me to conduct workshops, to speak on the culture of our company. Uh, on my leadership style, uh, those kind of things, uh, particularly at industry meetings and then other, you know, outside of the industry. And one of the things about our culture, uh, we have the uh, these eight button icons, and one of them is called uh, inside outside, and it's it's the letter N, and then the word side, and then the word the full word outside. And what that stands for is it's an what we call when we developed this in the nineties. Uh, it's the internal customer concept, and uh, because internally every organization has an internal customer, and uh, but what it's the the statement with that is that our service to our external customer can only be as good as our service to each other. So, which is very fitting with the culture we had developed and also my leadership style. 
Yeah, I like that. I definitely like that, and I've completely resonate with that. I'm looking forward to that book coming out because uh, it's right in line with my thought process, and I'm always wanting to learn more about that whole management process uh, within an organization just because it intrigues me. I'll be honest with you. I have no desire to ever own uh, or manage a business of that magnitude of even the one that you have. That's just not where I'm at in life. I don't know that I ever will be, but who knows? Uh, but the <laughs> skills itself, the skills themselves always have intrigued me. Uh, and I'm always seeking more knowledge on that uh, subject. So when is the book planning? On, when is it supposed to be sometime this year? Yes, it will be out. Uh, the publisher's telling me that it will be sometime in the month of April. Excellent. Excellent. So maybe we'll have you back on the show again later and uh, for the launch of that book, because I'm sure you got a big uh, launch uh, team planned. Well, yes, we've got uh, we've got a lot of people working on a lot of different avenues uh, right now. So, so how long have you been speaking? Well, actually, it goes back to the early '80s, um, and uh, I, we're. I really started uh, speaking a lot is uh, back in 1986-87 I was a what they call a, a, a rotary uh, this is rotary club a rotary district governor and it turned out I was the youngest in the whole world at the time and I covered a whole territory and all this North Texas uh, area uh, and I did that for for a year so I had to during that time period, I probably spoke uh, somewhere about 150, 170 times. My goodness. Yeah, that's impressive because that is something that I aspire to do. I have had, um, you know, stood up in front of audiences of a couple hundred uh, on various things, but nothing that I'm doing today, nothing in reference to abundance and whatnot. It was more in a military aspect, presenting information and whatnot. So I have no problem getting up in front of an audience uh, when I'm passionate about a subject. But I'm definitely looking forward to doing something like that uh, with the abundant community. Well, congratulations. <laughs> <laughs> it's a, it, it's nerve-wracking just to think about it, but you know, just to, to get the, pot, the opportunity to do that, that's what's really exciting about it. So go ahead. Well, I was going to mention, uh, I, you know, for years I'd be nervous about getting in front of people. And I finally, and I think this fits with, because uh, of my own, you know, abundance uh, mindset is, I finally realized that, boy, if I am not nervous before I'm about ready to go up and speak, there's probably something wrong. Mm-hmm. And because that nervousness, I was able to tap into it and it came across, you know, like I was, my, it, my passion showed up, my interest, my excitement, my, you know, whatever, it just overflowed from that nervousness. Yeah, that's a good point. And then it was pointed out to me, I was reading a book the other day, as a matter of fact, and it was talking about speaking and specifically podcasting, quite frankly, and the, the thought process changed to, well, you could completely terrify yourself if you consider the fact that when you're speaking on a mic, even though you're not looking at anybody, you're essentially speaking to a couple hundred people because that's how many people download each one of my episodes and listen to it. So, you know, if, if I had a fear of standing in front of a crowd, that would certainly stop me in my tracks, but it doesn't. <laughs> Well, cool. So how many, uh, you know, I'd like to hear a good news story about anything that you've spoke about. I know anybody who gets that puts themselves out there like you do. Uh, you've got to have some men or women, you know, sending you emails and sharing stories with you about what you've shared with them. Well, uh, you know, my good news story would be this, and it may be a little different than what you were asking, but uh, when when we were acquired, uh, the the per, the purchaser of our company uh, of course the main thing they were looking at to make their decision was on the financial statements as far as the price and those kind of things however once they acquired us they they were shocked with the level of sophistication of our uh, leadership team and they were so fascinated with the culture we had in the organization 
they are still now today still trying to bring in our culture into their organization because they have over 13,000 employees. And uh, But this is the, the good news, if I might share, is that the chief operating officer I mentioned earlier, well, they promoted him to head a, uh, to be the uh, chief operating officer of a one billion dollar division, mm. and that was you know that was, and then uh, recently he's been promoted again to the corporate office uh, to and now I uh, he I talked to him the other day and he's real excited because now he has an influence over the whole organization. Uh, also, the guy that headed up our IT department. Um, he moved uh, to the corporate headquarters, uh, and they, this IT department there, they have over 200 employees, and he's the number two man there. And several of our other employees uh, over the last few years have they've they've uh, plucked them from Wichita Falls, Texas, and moved them to the corporate office. So I, I'm just so proud that these people. Uh, uh, they have been recognized for doing such a good job and where they are. Uh, so that's my good news. No, and that's a huge testament to you as a leader and as a manager and as an, as an abundant leader and to your COO, quite frankly. Um, I, the question I have when, I was, when you were saying that was, how long would it take for such an organization of that magnitude of that many people to change their culture, to one like what you had in your organization? Well, you know, that's a very good question. Firstly, if I might say this, uh, people ask me, what is culture? Well, be honest with you, it's very hard to describe. Uh, The only way I can describe it, it's kind of like, you know, if I could ask this question, have you ever seen the wind? I have not. No. I've heard of it. I no. Seen it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm looking out my window and I can see the uh, oh, leaves I, on I, the. I thought you said the wind. Oh no, the wind. Absolutely. Yeah. No. Yeah. No. Yeah. Not nobody's seen. Not unless there's dirt in it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, <laughs> that's true. Like in West Texas, but uh, when I when I look out my window, I see the leaves uh, shaking in the trees. I see the shrubs uh, moving, uh, but I can't see the wind. But I see the effect of the wind and where a lot of organizations uh, get culture uh, mixed up is um, is that culture is the fruit and not the goal and I'm finding more and more companies uh, in the attempt to be more engaging with their employees they've made it the goal rather than it being the fruit of the foundational things that they need to do and people don't need to go through the school of hard knocks like I did for many years to, you know, finally figure this out. But the foundation is, it's kind of like the roots of the tree. Uh, it, it's really uh, your core values. That's who you are. It's your purpose. And that's why you exist. It's your vision. Where are you going? And then if you can kind of think of the trunk of the tree uh, and, the, and the branches being uh, your leadership style. The, what I found was our secret sauce was is is what I'm actually I'm writing about it now. Uh, it'll be in book number uh, uh, two. Is uh, we call uh, engage to lead, and uh, what it is, it's a participative leadership style. And I discovered by people getting involved, uh, being encouraged to be involved in the decision-making process, uh, they take on an ownership even without them owning uh, the company. There's a tool uh, with, I call it a tool, along with uh, the Engage to Lead, and it's another button icon that we use in our company, and it's called the one, two, three. And what that means is that uh, before you... It's uh, uh, at the beginning of a decision-making process and before you make a decision that you ask yourself three questions, and that is, uh, who can help me make a better decision? 
uh, who will have to carry it out and who will be impacted by it. And you get those people involved in that process. And I can assure you, uh, I saw like our company, uh, especially when we introduced our core values in 2005, is from 2005 to 2011, uh, our company, you know, you know what the economic situation was in late 07 and 08. You know, it was terrible. Well, during that time period, uh, our revenue grew about five times and our profits grew over five times. And uh, during that time, uh, we we were asked to apply twice to uh, and we were awarded one, uh, one of the 100 best companies to work for in the state of Texas. And I saw with my own eyes uh, uh, in the human resource area, they call it discretionary effort. It's when people give over and above what's required of them in their job. And that's that only comes, uh, we, we never, in, in our company, we never did establish the kind of culture we wanted as a goal. We just stayed very focused on those foundational uh, principles uh, and the fruit, it's kind of like, you know, the farmer, when he plants a tree, is he waters it, he cultivates it, he prunes it, and the fruit comes from the hard work of the, of the farmer. And so uh, that's the reason why a culture is the fruit and not the goal. Excellent. Yeah, absolutely love it. Now, when I think about culture in in today's time, as far as businesses are concerned, because they're in the media so much, is you know you see you think I think of anyway companies like Google and uh, Sappos with these young CEOs that have a different culture of, and I think it's what is the animation um, company out there that works with Disney so much. I can't think of the name of them right now for some reason, but anyway, they're 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 cruising around on skateboards through the through the complex, and you know, got beanbags all over the place and all kinds of crazy stuff. But you're talking about much more in depth as far as how the people think, their values, and all that kind of stuff. So I just find it so fascinating. Yes. Well, if you go back to that subtitle of the of my first book, is outward success is an inside job. And what we're talking about here are the foundational principles that by staying any business owner or the president of the company or CEO of a major corporation, if they can stay focused on those foundational principles, the fruit will be the success that outward people would uh, um, would uh, would recognize it kind of boils down by doing those things what we saw in our company we have we call it our super objectives it's what we want to accomplish at the end of the day and it's just two uh, it took me a long time to figure out they'd be just only two things and that was to delight the customer and increase operating profits and uh, we people clearly understood what that meant excellent so Bobby, we're at the point where we're going to pay it forward to men of abundance. You ready to do that? Sure. Excellent. So give our abundant leaders one to three actionable steps that they can take today as it relates to their life in general and living a life of abundance. Well, uh, if I could maybe uh, share this is if, um, uh, if, I, if I could share it this way is it's kind of like my daily habits or disciplines. And um, if I can uh, start with this is every day, uh, well, every night I get a good night's rest. Um, and I, when my alarm goes off, I'm kind of like the fireman. I'm over at the pole and I'm going down the pole and getting my boots on and here we go kind of a thing. But I always eat a good, healthy breakfast uh, I also exercise uh, uh, six days a week, normally in the mornings. Uh, I, I bicycle. That's my main sport. Uh, in fact, I just bicycle right before you know us getting on this uh, show. And I also swim as well. 
But one of the things, uh, if I might share, and this comes from who I am, it's my, it's my faith, and that is uh, I have a daily quiet time, and that's done in the morning. I, I'm a morning person. Uh, I know this sounds crazy, but I, I get up at 4.30 uh, every morning. And uh, but I have to do those things, so I have time. I have to get up at that time, so I get all these things in before going to uh, to work. So those were just the habits uh, that I develop over many years. Well, it's not that crazy to me because I've been waking up at four thirty for the most part, <laughs> just about every morning for many many years. Uh, and I've just trained myself it, I, for the same reason, as a matter of fact. I get more done. I got certain things I need to get done before I go into work. So, And some of that is work as far as my side hustle is concerned. So excellent, excellent. I love that. Other than your book, obviously, book one and two uh, that are coming out soon, what book that's available today that you're getting into or one that you would recommend to our Abundant Leaders and why? Well, I would... Uh, I, 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 if I could share two books uh, that I really would recommend to your audience, and that is um, um, uh, way back in the late 90s, uh, was I got this book for the, it was just coming out, and it was John Maxwell's uh, 21 Irrefutable Laws of Leadership. Uh, that was uh, uh, very helpful uh, for me. I attended a three day workshop that when he was. Uh, releasing that book and it was uh, uh it uh, it had a big impact on me in my thinking it's really solidified things that were in my head but i i couldn't find uh what i was looking for i i could find all kinds of things about how to manage the things of your business but i couldn't find where somebody has written about how to lead the people that are working with the things that are in the business and um, this is I was very fortunate uh, a few years back that for people that know John Maxwell is uh, I was uh, the first time he had a what was called a table group and there were 16 of us and John Maxwell uh, mentored us for one year and I was very fortunate to be part of that group uh, the second book would be from uh, from Jim Jim Collins, and uh, where he wrote Good to Great, and uh, I, again, I was very fortunate to be w uh, with, there were 50 of us that had an opportunity to spend a whole day with Jim Collins, uh, and he's, that book at that time, he said he had, they had sold over 60 million copies uh, of that book, so uh, those are two books. Uh, there's a lot of there's a lot of good books out there, uh, but those are two I would suggest. Yeah, there are a lot of good, great books out there, and I have read both of those books. In fact, I had an opportunity to um, not meet John, but I have uh, seen him live, uh, and <laughs> what a, he's just the realest I've seen on stage. He's so personable and it's like you're sitting there having a one-on-one -on -one conversation with john when he's when he's on stage really amazing individual yeah. yeah yeah so i appreciate and i know those books are on audio uh so for those of you who like audio and i know you do because you're listening to this podcast uh if you don't are not already hooked up with audible if you don't already have a subscription with audible i would love to give you you know help you get a 30-day free trial and a free audiobook. And all you have to do is go to, to any one of the podcast episodes at menofabundance.com, click on that link, and you'll get your 30 day free trial and your free audiobook. And the cool thing about it is you're going to be helping Men of Abundance keep the mic on, uh, which is very much appreciated. So, Bobby, what do you feel holds people back from living the life of abundance that they want? Well, it, uh, if I could suggest this, is it's kind of really, to me, what I've observed is the opposite of the abundance lifestyle is one of a scarcity mind style, uh, lifestyle. And I find that people, the scarcity mindset, uh, they're basically, de the, the root seems to be driven by fear and, rather than by faith. And I, I think those, that fear that's deep-rooted 
and it may go back to when they were a childhood, uh, is holds them back uh, because they think they're so deficient. They, you know, it's kind of like the farmer, you know, casting uh, the seeds. You know, the abundance mindset. You know, they think they they got plenty of seeds that are still coming. And by the way, after the fall harvest, we're going to have some more seeds. So you reap what you sow. But the scarcity mindset, uh, they think uh, there's not enough seeds, and they better hold back. And they better not put as many seeds in the ground. Um, So I think that's probably uh, perhaps one of the biggest uh, uh, contrasts uh, with the uh, dealing with abundance and and scarcity yeah very good point i appreciate you sharing that and i love that analogy so what does living a life of abundance mean to you well it it means that uh when i make decisions i'm thinking more in the you know the long term uh it's kind of going back to the farmer you you know you can't harvest if you haven't planted so uh, i'm i'm more interested in uh in sacrifice it's kind of like i'm willing to have short-term pain uh, for long-term gain Uh, short-term investment for you know long-term blessings Uh, you know the person that's the scarcity mindset uh, they they have this tendency an expedient way is they want to grab what they can take right now there it's more of a short-term gain uh, and uh, but what what happens? What I've observed is there's long-term consequences uh, to uh, their focus on that is very self-centered and it's uh, very much inward about what I can get for me right now. Yeah, that's a very good point. And to kind of drive this home, something I was thinking about is payday loan type of things. Uh, I don't know if it's a whole different show, but I kind of, when you were saying that, I kind of think about that, that short-term gain, they need cash right now, but in the long term, it's going to greatly, it's going to diminish your cash flow. You know, I saw, like, for example, in in my industry, the moving industry, because I've served on the National Board of Directors, I was always the guy, of course, I'm the optimist, you know, this abundance Mm -hmm. mindset, thinking about you know, I'm thinking about let's be proactive, but most people serving on the board, they were more reactive. They were more like uh, trying to protect their market position, you know, I mean, their position in the marketplace. So they were kind of, you know, like holding tight uh, to what they had. Uh, they, they, they I've, just observing um, is, I, 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 it's when they, negotiate with you or they work with you uh it's it's this win-lose type of uh behavior rather than having a rather than a win-win uh behavior and uh and that's just just an observation over many years uh john you know it's kind of interesting john maxwell uh uh, he has uh you know he's made a i've heard him say that uh, uh there's two there's a gap between two significant questions and those questions here's the the first question is can i which is a scarcity mindset versus how can i which is an abundance mindset agreed absolutely agreed yeah without a doubt so we're going to close this up Bobby, and before we do, I'd love for you to leave us with a parting piece of guidance in any way that we can reach you and get a hold of your book once it comes out. Yeah, uh, perhaps maybe a parting uh, advice would be uh, is it's not so much of what you do, but who are you becoming is more important. And what I've this observed and and found uh seems like that uh, when we got out of the discipline when we got out of high school went into our career or got out of college and went into our career uh, we stopped becoming and uh, we become obsolete and uh, we stop learning uh, and when those kind of things happen 
this scarcity mindset starts creeping in more and more and more because you're trying to protect. It's more of trying to, instead of being, um, you know, you're, you're, you're trying to protect what you have. You're paralyzed because you're holding on rather than thinking dynamic, being more dynamic and, and letting go. And that's kind of the farmer in casting the seeds. But, uh, the way that people can, um, uh, you know, reach me is uh they can go to my website and it'd be it's simply uh bobby b-o-b-b-y uh albert a-l-b-e-r-t dot com slash uh abundance and uh when they go to the website they'll find that we're offering right now uh free uh, it's free down you can do- download free five uh, tips to goal setting personal goal setting uh and also uh when later on when the book's going to be available uh by the way when people buy the book i, I put in the book a leading and managing uh, assessment tool in there uh that will be very valuable to to anybody to understand what is their bent is their bent toward leading or is it their bent toward managing yeah that's very generous and very abundant of you i appreciate you sharing that and i will definitely be going to check that out myself i appreciate that and i'll have all the links and anything else that we just talked about in the show notes at men of abundance just search bobby albert and the episode will pop right up and Bobby, it's been an amazing conversation. I learned a lot. I truly appreciate it. I know Men of Abundance got a lot out of it. And I look forward to uh, talking with you much more and look forward to getting, that bo- getting my hands on that book. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> <laughs> I know you're excited about that. Yeah. Have an amazing day, man. Thank you. All right, man, that is another amazing and abundant conversation in the books. I'm very happy with that one, as I am every single one of them. I get something out of every single conversation that I have, whether on the show or otherwise. I hope you got something out of it. If you did, be abundant in your life today and pay it forward by sharing this information with somebody else. The more you share it, the more people will find us, the more we'll get pushed up in the search engines. And that's a good news story because people, men, are looking for this type of information. Help them find it. Now go out and live your life of abundance and make sure to pay it forward.